me to Revelation chapter 7, and uh, we'll go ahead and get started. We finished up chapter 6 uh, last Sunday night. We finished it on Sunday night, but uh, anyway, uh, chapter 7 is kind of a lull between the opening of two seals. One of them was opened already, and that was the sixth seal. And there's another one, the seventh seal is left to be opened, but it, it's not open until you get to chapter 8. So this is just kind of a parenthesis chapter in between the two. And uh, we want to begin, I want to look at verses 1 to 4 first. Uh, it says, After these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth. Now, some of, some of the nuts in the world will say, look at there, God thinks that the world is flat. No, He don't. The world, He told us in, in uh, Job that it's not flat, it's round. But it does have four corners. North, south, which is the favorite corner. <laughs> East and west. The four points of the compass. So it does have four corners of the earth. And it says, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. Can you imagine that? In Florida, in the summertime, when there would be absolutely no wind at all. No cool breeze off of the ocean. Uh, or or, or any, any breeze to move the heat around a little bit. But... That's what they were doing. They were getting ready to hold it. And then he said, I saw another angel, that's the fifth angel, ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of God in their foreheads. And in, uh, in chapter 14 and verse 1, you don't have to turn there, but the Bible tells us that the, the seal that they had in their foreheads was the name of God uh, in their foreheads. So anyway, he said, hurt, hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of God in our foreheads, and I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed a hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. He says, of the tribe of Judah were sealed twelve thousand, the tribe of Reuben twelve thousand, and Gad twelve thousand, and he goes down all twelve tribes. I'm not going to read all that, but he goes down every one of them. And he seals 12,000 out of each tribe, 12 tribes, 12 times 12, 144,000. That's simple math. That's ancient math. Uh, but, but anyway, he sealed 144,000. Now, they are where? They're on earth. Uh, in uh, chapter, I think it's chapter 9 or 10, they show up again. They're still on earth. In chapter 14, then that's heaven. But 
there, there on earth, there were, there were sealed 12,000 from each tribe. Now, 12 is the number of Israel. Uh, as I said, there were 12 tribes, and there were uh, uh, 12 uh, stones in the priest's uh, vest that he wore. There were 12 gates in the city of Jerusalem. There will be 12 gates in that heavenly city also. Remember that song, Twelve Gates to the City. And uh, on the table of showbread, there were twelve loaves, one for each one of the children of Israel. And so twelve is a, is a good number representing the children of Israel. Now, uh, most of the Jews today don't have any idea what tribe they belong to because the, the records were stored in the temple, and the temple was destroyed in 70 A.D., and all those records were lost. So they don't know what tribe they belong to, but I guarantee you that God knows what tribe they belong to. And uh, He named the 12 tribes. Some people say, well, that tribe really didn't exist. Don't worry about it. God knows what He's talking about. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, so he's going he's gonna to seal every one of these. And uh, it's, it's for a purpose. We, uh, we hear people today say uh, things like, before the Lord comes, that is before the rapture, there's going to be a great revival. But we don't see it, do we? Bible does not tell. Now there may be, you know, here and there, and maybe here. I hope. Yeah, I hope right here. But uh, what we do have for us in the Bible, the Bible tells us that in the last days there will be a great falling away, and we see that. It it it's amazing. Not amazing. It's pathetic. Uh, some of the things that men come up with today and call it religion. Uh, you know, it's, it's a terrible thing. And we got, we got Christians, supposedly supposed to be Christians, that won't even stand for anything. And the old saying is, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. So we know that there's going to be a great falling away. And uh, I have always heard that these 144,000 are going to preach during the tribulation. But nobody ever told me where they got that from. So for a long time, I thought they were wrong. So I started digging. And uh, one of the things in chapter 14, he calls these 144,000 the first fruits. And so if they are the first fruits, then that means there's more to come, right? Uh, some of you like to do a little bit of gardening. And maybe you plant some tomatoes and you, you put your eye on the biggest one and it's still green, but you watch it, and you watch it, and you watch it, and it finally begins to turn red. 
Unless you do like they do in the store. Pick them green, let them turn red. But they're not as good that way. Vine-ripe tomato. But you watch that tomato and then you pick it. You don't give that first fruits away. Ain't nobody getting my first tomato. You wait till there's more and then I'll give you some. <laughs> but, but these were first fruits, which means that there's more to come. So where do, where do people get the idea that these will be preaching during the tribulation? There's not one single verse in the Bible that says, Hey y'all, we're going to preach now. It don't say it, but it is implied uh, in several different places. And I wanted us to look at that today. Uh, you know, it's just like the word rapture. It's not in the Bible. But snatching away, called out, caught up. That's the same thing. And so it don't matter. We're going to be raptured. But uh, uh, Joel chapter 2 and verse uh, 28-32, it, it talked about uh, in the last days, God said, I will pour out My Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters uh, will uh, prophesy, and your old men will have visions, dream dreams. And Peter said that on the day of Pentecost, he said, this, this is that which is spoken of Joel the prophet. But Israel did not receive their king. And so that was not totally fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. And it, you know, the Lord still pours out His Spirit here and there. But, but in that day, that, that prophecy of Joel is going to be completed. Uh, as I said, Israel did not repent and they did not obey and so it wasn't completely fulfilled. Many, many people, as I said, here and there, they will be revived and they will have that outpouring of the Holy Spirit just here and there. But on that day, on that day, when those 144,000 are sealed, uh, you're talking about revival there's going to be revival mostly among the people who have never heard the gospel. I told you last Sunday night, God said, if they receive not the truth here and now, God said, I will send them strong delusion that they will believe a lie. But did you know there are people in the world that has never heard the gospel? They've never heard of Jesus. And they don't know what's, what's going to happen. In, uh, in Matthew 24, 14, Jesus Himself said, And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, and then the end will come. I know I didn't quote that right, so let me turn to it. <laughs> Matthew 24, 14, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. Now, the key to understanding that verse is to read it right. Uh, I can remember 
I think I was about 12 years old, and we had a preacher that went home with us one day for lunch uh, after the Sunday services. And in the afternoon, him and my dad were uh, talking about the rapture, about the coming of the Lord. And, and Dad asked him, he said, do you believe it soon? And he said, no, I don't. And he said, why? And he said, because... The Bible says that the gospel must be preached in all the world for a witness to them, and then the end will come. And he said, we got a long ways to go. But he was misquoting it. It don't say the gospel. It says the gospel of the kingdom. That's, that's the gospel that John the Baptist was preaching to Israel. That's the gospel that Jesus later preached. And that the apostles, up until Paul, uh, preached that same gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, now, he, he said, and, and when it's done, then the end will come. When the rapture happens, is that the end? No. <laughs> you read the newspapers today, some nut will predict that uh, you know, the church is going to be raptured on such and such a date, and they'll, in bold letters, say, so-and-so said that the world is coming to an end. The world's not coming to an end when the rapture happens. There's going to be a seven-year tribulation period right here, and then a thousand years of the millennial reign, and then a time when Satan is loosed from the bottomless pit, to go out to deceive the nations once again. How long is that going to take? I don't know. But I know that the rapture is not the end, and, and when, that, when the gospel uh, was preached, now we've, we've been preaching the gospel, I say we, I mean the church, for 2,000 years now, and we still haven't reached the whole world. And when the rapture comes, we will have not reached the whole world. But Jesus said the gospel of the kingdom. That's different. I don't preach the gospel of the kingdom. As I said, John the Baptist did. Gospel means good news. Amen. It means good news. The kingdom is coming. The king is already here. The king is here. The king was born in Bethlehem. The king uh, of David's, an offspring of King David. He's born in Bethlehem, the seed of David. And that's how the apostles were presenting him as the seed of David. The kingdom is coming. And... Uh, We've been praying for years, Christians. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. But that kingdom, pardon me, it ain't coming until after the rapture, after the seven-year tribulation, and then it'll come. God will answer that prayer. But they were preaching the gospel of the kingdom. As I said, they were... They were presenting him as the son of David, the king. Uh, Jesus, Israel's king. But Israel rejected their king. They crucified their king. 
You see, they didn't, they didn't understand or know all that, but they rejected him as king. They said, we have no king but Caesar. And they crucified him. And then when you get to John's gospel, there's a change up. John does not present the Lord Jesus Christ as the son of David. He presents him as the son of God, the only begotten Son of God. He presents Him as deity. He said even everything was made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Uh, Paul said, Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. So, the disciples preached the gospel of the kingdom. John the Baptist preached it. Jesus did for a while, but as I said, they rejected him. And then God came to Paul when he was on the road to Damascus, and he chose Paul to be an apostle of the Gentiles, and almost immediately Paul started preaching the gospel of grace. The gospel of grace. We don't preach the gospel of the kingdom. We preach the gospel of grace, the good news of the grace of God. Paul said to the Corinthians, he said he talked about his gospel. He called sometime he called it his gospel because it was revealed to him. And he said it's the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Good news. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. The wages of sin is death. But good news, Jesus died for me and for you. He took my place. He took your place. He paid it all. He passed the test and made a hundred of it. He took the test for us. That is good news. We're not preaching the gospel of the kingdom, but the gospel of the grace of God. And I, the, and Jesus Himself gives us a picture of that uh, over in Luke's gospel, the, the parable of the prodigal son. You know the story how He said to a uh, man had two sons, and the younger son came to the father and said, Father, give me my inheritance now. <laughs> Can you relate to that? Especially when you're young. Hey, Dad, I don't want to wait until you die. You might live until I'm old and I can't enjoy it. Give it to me now. And he went out into a far country and wasted his substance. And a famine came up. And he got a job slopping hogs. The Bible says he would have ate what the hogs were eating, but no man would give to him. And then he came to himself. And he said, you know, my daddy's got hired servants that are doing better than I'm doing out here in this hog pen. So he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to say to my father, Father, 
I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but would you just make me one of your hired servants? And I imagine he rehearsed that all the way home. He left that hog pen started home. The Bible says the father saw him coming from afar off and went running to meet him. Now brother, if that's not the grace of God, I don't know what is. When you get up to come to Jesus, the Father will come to meet you in the person of the Holy Spirit. I guarantee it. You know, it takes some effort on your part to make that first step. But when you make that first step, He'll just pick you up and tote you the rest of the way. And He he came to the Father and started telling Him, uh, you know, he wasn't worthy to be called his son. Just make him a hired servant. And the father said, hey, y'all bring a, bring a robe and put on him. And bring some shoes for his feet. And put, put a ring on his finger. Because, and killed a fatted calf because he said, this my son was dead and now he's alive. I don't know if you know it, but that's exactly what God did for you when you came to Him. He put a robe of righteousness on you. He put the shoes on you, the preparation of the gospel of peace, and He put a ring of adoption on your finger. And He sealed you with the Holy Spirit. But what happened when the older brother, who is a picture of Israel, the, the younger, younger brother is a picture of anybody saved by grace. Because as he said, he didn't deserve it, but God received him anyway. God showed mercy and grace to him and received him. But the older brother came and he heard all of the music and the laughter and the party going on, and he called one of the servants and said, What's this? What's going on? And he said, Your brother came home, and we killed a fatted calf. And he wouldn't even go in the house. He was so mad. He didn't want to associate with that brother. So the father went out to him. And he said, you never killed a fatted calf for me. And this thy son, he didn't say my brother, he said this thy son has come home, you do all this for him, you wouldn't do it for me. That's jealousy. Did you know God said to Israel, he said, I will make you jealous by a people that's not even a nation. That's me and you. That's me and you. We heard the gospel of grace that for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's the gospel that we preach. But when the church is raptured, then somebody is going to preach the gospel of the kingdom. They're going back to the Jews. And they're going to preach the gospel of the kingdom. They're going to be 
uh, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Spirit is going to be poured out on them. And in, uh, in Revelations 9, 4, we see, and I don't want to get too far ahead because if I take this chapter by chapter, I'll have to say it again later. But in 9.4, we see the uh, spirits being released from the bottomless pit and he likens them to locusts. And he said, uh, hurt only those men who have not the seal of God in their heads. So this 144,000 was still here when those locusts were on earth. And they were commanded, don't, don't hurt those men. Don't you touch those men. Daniel talked about Job last Wednesday night. Uh, old Satan had permission to do certain things to Job, but God said, hey listen, his life is mine. You leave him alone. Hands off when it comes to his life. And I like that. Amen. Satan can't kill these men. Did you know if you're a child of God and you're in the will of God, you cannot die? Amen. Now I like that because I've had some pretty close calls in my lifetime. And then recently, you know, all the times I went in the hospital... Now, I wasn't worried about it because I, I'm glad I don't know when my time comes. One fellow told uh, J. Vernon McGee one time, he said, uh, uh, J. Vernon, he said, I'm sure of the faithfulness of God. And he said, I believe that if I walk out in the middle of this intersection in downtown Los Angeles and it ain't my time, I can't be killed. J. Vernon McGee said, Brother, if you walk out in that intersection, it's your time. <laughs> so, you know, we believe that God will take care of us, but we don't want to be presumptuous. You know, I'm not going to jump out of an airplane or uh, pull up on the railroad track trying to beat the light or the train. You know, I'm just not going to do it. But I believe that as long as I'm in God's will and God has His hand on me, I can't die until He says, your work is done. Come on up here. And if that's what dying is, that's alright with me. You know, I've said many times, I'm not afraid to die. I am afraid of the unknown. You know, how, how am I going to die? I don't want to be shot. And uh, I don't want to get real, some kind of dreaded disease and just dwindle down. But we don't know those things. But I know that God's hand has been on me and I know His hand is on you because if it wasn't, you wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't be here. And then, lastly, and I gotta, I gotta hurry, but you look at the results of their ministry. 
in verse 9. It says, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. Now remember, the 144,000 is still here on earth. All the way over through chapter 9 up to chapter 14. But here is the results of their ministry, of their preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, there was a great multitude. They had results from their ministry. He says, and of course God knows how many there is. Uh, you know, the Jehovah Witnesses are still preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And I think the Seventh Day Adventist, and maybe maybe some other, but every one of them believes there's going to be 144,000 in heaven. You can show them this verse. I looked and lo, a, a great multitude which no man can number, and they have. To, well, I just don't know. But there's only going to be 144,000 in heaven. Well, why aren't you going to be one? Well, you know, I'm just not good enough. I'll wait here for the kingdom. Great multitude which no man could number. God could number them, but no man could number them. That's the result of their ministry. Let me ask you something. Is there going to be anybody in heaven because of your ministry? You say, well, I'm not a minister. Yes, you are. If you're a child of God, you're a minister. Every mother sitting in here is a minister. Every father is a minister. Uh, every Christian is a minister in some way or another. You are responsible for those that you come in contact with. Are you sharing your faith with others? Will there be anybody in heaven because of your ministry? Will your children be there? Will your grandchildren be there? Will your neighbors be there? Will there be a great multitude in heaven because of your ministry? Or will, you know, this, this was a great multitude of the 144,000, and uh, none of us equals 144,000. But we are one. Amen. Are you taking anybody to heaven with you when you go? Will there be anybody in heaven because of your ministry? What a successful ministry. I've been surrendered to the ministry for 47 years, I mean, the, as a pastor. And I wish, I wish I could look at a Bible verse that would tell me how many people were going to be there. But I don't know. I don't know those things. I know that Jeremiah was a faithful minister and he never had one convert. They didn't believe him, but he was faithful to God. And that's what I, I want to stand true to God. I want to, I want to be all that I can be 
through Him. I want God's best for me at all costs. God's best at all costs. That's a good theme for our camp, Richie. God's best at all costs. And it will cost you. (laughs) It will cost you. Salvation is free. But God's best for you will cost you something. You might have to give up some things. You might have to live different than what you live. The old flesh makes you want to live one way, but you got the revealed Word of God here. And God said, this, this is my will for you right here. This is my will. I don't know how many people will be in heaven because of my ministry. I know, I know there's a few, some of you sitting here today came to know the Lord. And I know it wasn't me, it was the Holy Spirit. So I'm not taking credit, but but you received Him after I preached. <laughs> but you might have received Him also because somebody was praying for you. Some little unseen lady or man was praying for you, and that's why you came. But Lord, I hope there's going to be some people in heaven because of my ministry. How about you? You got anybody that's going to be there because of you? I hope that you'll take this to heart. And you know, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it's not limited to the 144,000. You can have it too. The Bible tells us to be filled with the Spirit. That's a command, not a suggestion. That's a command. And in order to be filled, you have to empty yourself of yourself and let Him have full sway. We're going to stand and sing an invitation hymn. If you're not here today, my prayer for you is that you'll be saved today. Amen. That you'll come to Jesus today. Brother there and sister, there's some things that lies ahead for this old world. We think it's bad now. We ain't seen nothing yet. When God's people are taken up from this world, There's no telling what will go on down here. We already see the devil working overtime. Uh, You know, some of of our states are trying to pass laws that children can't even be born. And then they will discuss what's going to happen to him. You're going to take care of him or we just let him die. That makes me shudder. I think it was Billy Graham a few years ago said if God don't judge America he's going to have to resurrect Sodom and Gomorrah and apologize to them. I believe that when God's people are out of here America may be annihilated Mm -hmm. because as Chris said in Sunday school you're going to reap what you sow. As a person, as a nation you're going to reap what you sow. We don't have a whole lot of time You don't have time to put off salvation until God calls us out of here. If He's speaking in your heart today and you need Christ, would you not respond to Him? Would you not leave your seat and come up here and and ask Him to forgive you for your sins and come into your heart and you trust Him? 
Uh, most people, they don't mind trusting their self. You know, I've done this and I've done that and I'm not as bad as Howard and, and I'm not as bad as Chris and I'm almost as good as Larry, so I'm pretty good. Forget that. All of us have sinned and come short Amen. of the glory of God. Forget that. Start trusting Jesus, what Amen. He did for you 2,000 years ago. Quit talking about how good you are and start looking at how bad you are and how good He is. Amen. And trust Him. He died to save you 2,000 years ago and that's, that promise is still good today. Maybe you're here and you're a Christian and the Lord is speaking to your heart and you're, you're examining your life. Am I all that I ought to be? Is there going to be somebody in heaven that's there because of me? And if the Lord leads you, just come to the altar and bring it to Him and ask Him to make you all that He would have you to be as we stand and sing. Hymn number 382. Number 382. <clears throat> Softly and tenderly, Jesus is <coughs> calling for you. Oh, sinner, come. 